Great to see you. Um, this is a little bit ironic, me um, preaching at a gathered thing when I've just been given a role in communities and scattered, isn't it? But, um, you know, it's all, it's all good having a couple of strings to your bow, isn't it? So they've finally let me loose again. It's been a few months since I've been up here, so I hope you're ready. Strap yourselves in. I'm not going to hold back because that's what God said. Um, so, following God into the neighborhood. <laughs> Let's pray. Uh, Father, come, be with us, be present. Would, would I hear your voice now and communicate your heart for our city, for people? God, I thank you that it was your plan for us to go. It's not a new idea. Stir our hearts for the lost again. Amen. Okay. I don't know about you, but I'm fed up of being dissatisfied. (laughs) I think there's, um, there's a thing that God gives in dissatisfaction. Because when we're dissatisfied, we get to hope for something else that's not our current reality. Does that make sense? That if, if your heart doesn't feel fully fulfilled, then it means that we get to hope in what God could do. I don't know about you, but I um, have been a Christian. I became a Christian when I was like 18-ish, 19, somewhere around there. I can't remember the exact day. Um, so I've been a Christian now, on oh my word, my maths, 14 years, is that right? 10, I'm 32, so that sounds about right. Um, am I, th- oh my word, am I 31 or 32? Maybe it just gets blurred after 30, is that true? Um, so 14 years, and I've heard great stories, I've read the stories of revival, I've, I've looked at them, but I don't see it. I see glimpses of the kingdom of God, but I don't see the promise of what God said in scripture. I read Acts. Acts is one of my favorite books. I read Acts and I go, yes, I'm I'm in, I'm sold. I want to go. Let's let's go and see it. And and in Acts, we see this this church that, that starts in Jerusalem, just go boom. And it gets sent across the whole world. And you're here today because Jesus' strategy for mission works. Like, get that into your head. It, it, it works. You're sitting here today because his plan worked. And, and I, I read scripture and I think, yeah, come on, Acts is incredible. And, and I see this pattern of the early church of meeting together, of, of breaking bread together, of worshipping together and, 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 and going out and seeing God's power move. And then we see the epistles and the amazing letters that Paul writes and Nothing massively changes. And then the church makes an absolute mess. <laughs> we make a mess because we, we've tried to fit something else into something that God maybe hadn't fully intended. Now, I love you guys. I love worshipping with you guys. I love being here on a Sunday. Don't get me wrong. But we have totally lost the heartbeat of what God originally intended for us. When Jesus goes, go and make disciples and sends out, sends out the apostles, 
He was sending them. It was about sending them out. And yes, of course, there's value in gathering. But we have to be people that go. We have to be people on the edge that are scattered, that are based in communities, that build relationships with people that don't know him. Simply, Jesus, like his strongest commandments, love God, love your neighbor and make disciples. Do those three things. If we all did those three things really well, we'd be absolutely winning and the world would totally change. Totally change. The, um, I dare you to have a look at revival. Just revival history, patterns and rhythms of revival. Have a look at what God did and what, um, what marks revival. So what things make revival a revival and also what things have sustained revival. Like, love examples. I mean, one example would be the Welsh Revival. Incredibly powerful move of God. Powerful move of God. People on their faces, miracles happening. But it only lasted a year. It only lasted a year. It's crazy. One of, a few of my friends live in Wales. And you go to Wales now, and there's like five churches on one street. And they built all these churches, but they didn't have the structure and the patterns to be able to sustain this move of God. There was just this powerful move of God, and then people were like, what do we do now? Stick them in these buildings. And there was no, there was no pattern of community and accountability that, that is the thing that helps. And we see in the early church as the thing, one of the marks that sustains revival. Then we see, uh, kind of in contrast, the, the Wesleyan revival. Incredible move of God. Powerful move of God that had accountability, community, rhythms and patterns at at its center that was able to sustain this incredible move of God. Incredibly high bar and challenging. But the kingdom of God just moved, swept across the West. Incredible move of God. And then we see the Wesleyan revival kind of die when they started to try and train ministers and get people to do what they wanted. It, you know, it's ironic, isn't it? But what are the marks of revival? Do you have this passion inside of you that goes, ah, oh, I'm not satisfied. I haven't seen it yet. Because if you don't, let me challenge you, you need to go to God and cry out to him to make you hungry. If you're not hungry for revival, why are you here? Sorry, that sounds harsh, but why are you here? We gather to go. We gather to go. That is the only reason to to encourage one another, to glorify God, to lift each other up. But why? To be sent to go and make disciples. The marks of revival are about going. There's things that, that we can see from the marks of revival. When you see a move of God, a passionate um, move of people really coming to God, there's certain things that they all had. Even the Welsh Revival, the Wesleyan, the Chinese church just literally kicking off. Millions and millions. Total organic church just spreading. Um, Passion. Passionate spirituality. Passion for worship. Passion for each other. Passionate worship and prayer. Do you have this gut that stirs that goes, do you know what, I'm going to cry out for the lost. I joke with people, I joke with people that I I love Sheffield so much that I literally hope that I die in the town centre. Like, you know, preaching the word or sharing the gospel or something. Um, 
if God tells us to move, we totally will. I want, I want to be firstly about God's obedience, but I am so convinced about Sheffield. I'm so passionate about seeing it transformed and changed, total, total transformation in every area and sphere, in businesses, in schools, in workplaces, seeing the gospel advance. But we've got to cry out to him for it. We've got to be hungry. We've got to be hungry. Um, so passionate prayer, passionate worship. Um, this is totally off my notes. I'm looking at my team because there were three. Do you remember the three things? No. Um, I've got it written down somewhere. Hang on. Um, that's good. Yeah, Jesus being Lord. Jesus being Lord. Are you prepared to put him first? I spoke at the student gathering this week and, um, and had an incredible verse about having um, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. This, um, this word of, of having a pure heart that is a one-hearted person. Are you a one-hearted person that puts Jesus as number one? Not your work, not Netflix, not even your family. Jesus is Lord. Marks of revival, Jesus being Lord, sacrificial, passionate prayer and worship. And the last one that marked all of the revivals, incarnational living. Incarnational living. How will we see a move of God in the people that don't know God if we're not there? How can we go how can, we, how can we not be there if we're always here or always in church meetings or, or always in a little Christian bubble? How will the world know? The lost will never hear unless we live or are ingrained in the neighborhood. So I love this series that we're, I love this series that we're doing, following God into the neighborhood. There's nothing special about the strategy for mission. There's nothing complicated. It's simple. Next slide, please. Let's eat. Let's eat. The Bible is full of eating. Adam and Eve, what do we see? God's like, go and eat. Go and eat anything apart from this tree. We see it throughout scripture, the feeding. God feeds the Israelites, gives them manna. He feeds Elijah. I love the story of David inviting Mephibosheth. Thank you. Dyslexia and, you know, <laughs> just something Mo-Beth. That was Mobeth, um, inviting Mobeth to come and eat at the king's table. And this position that he was given, the value of eating at the table, of, of, of standing and sorry, sitting, probably lying in the, in the Old Testament, uh, New Testament as well. Um, don't go down that rabbit hole. Um, of, of looking at someone in the eyes across you and sharing and breaking bread. Jesus, when he, when he breaks the bread at the Last Supper... He's doing it, and he says, remember me. It's not just on the third Sunday, and it's kind of a shame that we haven't, 
I should have planned this really, but it's a shame that we're not doing communion today because Jesus wasn't intending us to just remember those things on the third Sunday or whenever that we choose to do communion. He said those things, so it's every time you drink and eat, remember the Lord's death. When you break bread with other people, when you sit across the table, it's to remember who he is and what he's done and also display what he's going to do. To love, to live in his grace, to sacrifice himself. The Bible is scattered with meals. Have a look at it. And that doesn't change when Jesus comes. We see it. I've got, I mean, Luke was the journey that I kind of looked at, but I'll just fire these out. But Luke 5, banquet at Levi's house. He eats with tax collectors and sinners. Dinner at Simon's house with Pharisees, with guests, sinful women. Luke 9, feeding of the 5,000. Jesus values mealtimes. The hospitality at the home of Mary and Martha, dinner at the Pharisee's house, the Sabbath meal, hospitality at the home of Zacchaeus, the Last Supper, breaking of bread at the road to Emmaus. I love that story. It says, In the breaking of the bread will you see him. They saw him when the bread was broken. Jesus eating a meal with his disciples before he ascends. Jesus values eating. And do you know what? Today in society, we have lost the art of the table. We've lost the art of the dinner table, the kitchen table. So many TV dinners. Guilty. It's just easy, isn't it? I'll just grab something quick. You know, I've had a busy day. I'm tired. I don't want to talk. TV dinners, eating out, just massively increasing. We've lost the art of the kitchen table. And I want to challenge us today to recapture the dinner table. Recapture the value of eating together as as one of our primary functions for mission. If Jesus thought it was important, I want to go after that. I think if we're going to see revival and transformation in Sheffield, one of the heartbeats of what that will look like is food. Yes! I love my food. But the, the amazing thing is, you know those mealtimes where you sit and there's an ease to conversation? It kind of goes back and forth and you, you begin to get depth. You encourage people. There's patterns of worship because you're doing thanksgiving. And it takes time to build those patterns and rhythms. But I, I remember one of the things that my mum and dad did was we had breakfast together every morning. And always at breakfast we'd do thanksgiving and my dad would read from scripture. Patterns and rhythms of family life. How do we recapture the table I love that Jesus makes mission so easy and simple. Do you know what? The challenging thing is, it's the invite to the kitchen table. And I get that. I totally get that. And we'll, we'll come on to that in a minute. But honestly, I think, I think if we all went after this, if we all began to invite 
in a regular rhythm, some people around our kitchen table that didn't know him, we could see a city transformed. Just um, pop up the next slide for me, Jude. I'm looking at Jude. Do we have the technical whizzy thing? Great. Um, So Jude's going to help us out here. So um, if you look at like the kind of central table there, um, thank you, Jude. Um, Jude blows my mind, by the way, with like technical stuff all the time. He's like, why don't we try this? I'm like, what? Thank you. Great. Um, So this table that that we see here, imagine that's my table. Okay, and around that table is um, me and Beth, and then people that live with us. We have some people that live with us. Um, and then maybe some people that are neighbors, people that we invite in. So Beth and I have been inviting our next door neighbors. They have four kids, um, they're incredible. And we've built up this relationship. So now we're at the point, you can let go of your fingernail, Jude, it's going to get tired, we'll come back. Um, we're, we're now at the point where the kids. I mean, not in the winter so much, but in the summer, they run in, our, in and out of our house. They, they literally grab drinks. They know where the drinks, juice is and stuff like that. Um, they come and play with Caleb's toys. Caleb goes and plays on their trampoline. We're in this rhythm of exchange, this exchange of relationship. And we have them for food. And they, last time they were over, we had just a, a whole host of pasta, um, cheap and easy meals. And um, we said, oh, we'd do we'd, do that Thanksgiving. No, sorry. One of the kids said, can we do that Thanksgiving thing that you do? This rhythm, every mealtime, one thing you're thankful for. And then we go around the table and they all do Thanksgiving, non-Christians. We go around once and they go, oh, can we do it again? Literally, there's, there's six people there who don't know Jesus that are worshiping him. That's what they're doing. They're orientating themselves towards him without realizing it. But imagine, gee, just pop up that spot again. Imagine um, every relationship around that table has multiple relationships around them. You see those four people, those little crosses representing people. Every relationship has, has relationships. Imagine if one of those people comes to faith. So I'm really going after the dad of that family. Because I love him and I want him to see Jesus. Imagine if they started to do a rhythm of eating with their family. Relationships just begin to spread across the city and we begin to multiply kitchen table eating with the values of the gospel. There's something so simple and easy about the kitchen table, about eating together, and we see it from Scripture. What would it look like if we said, Do you know what? We're going to have a go at doing one night a week. Start with your family and begin to invite another family or or one or two people. Do you know what? This works for anyone, any stage of life. Yes, it's probably easier for Beth and I at the minute with children and and like the connections of that. It, It does make it easier. But any stage of life, this works. Single, married, older, younger. Do you know what the risk is? The risk is, is them saying no. What have you got to lose? So we've just invited Derek and Margaret. They're going to come for food in the next couple of weeks. Derek is, what, 75? Maybe older. Yeah. Derek and Margaret are like great grandparents probably now. Um, and uh, Derek, his, his gift to us is he brings us plants 
So look for the relationships around you that are easy, that have an ease. And um, he brings us plants in the summer to plant in our garden, which we have killed all of. I'm, I'm so I dread to think when he comes into our back garden. Um, but uh, he gave this plant to me. He was like, oh, it's this, the passion flower. And it represents the 10 disciples of Jesus. I was like, oh, what happened to the other two? Um, uh, he was like, oh, yeah, you know, this is your kind of thing. It's like the Jesus thing. Um, and I was like, oh, that's amazing. But, um, you know, maybe it means, and then basically explain the passion of Jesus and, and, and the journey that Jesus took for us, uh, his heart, and, and uh, explained about us doing Alpha. And Derek was like, that is what I've been needing to hear for the last 50 years. He didn't come to Alpha. <laughs> He didn't come to Alpha because he couldn't, he couldn't come. But Beth and I are going to have them for food. We're just going to build in a rhythm. And who knows where it will go. We're about building relationship and seeing God's kingdom come. We're not, we're not going to rush an agenda because that's not, that's not discipleship. Discipleship is a journey towards Jesus. We're all on that journey. I'm not about the conversion. I'm about fullness in Jesus. Paul says to present one another to the fullness, mature in Christ. So all of us are on that journey towards Jesus, whether we've made a decision to follow him or not. Beth, will you just come and share another story with us? I don't know. One. Beth, Beth is an absolute genius at connecting with people and building relationships. So uh, she's got multiple stories. She's asking me. Um, I don't know. Bin lady. Okay. So... Um, being a, I'm not going to say a new mum anymore because I'm not because Caleb's too, but I very, very regularly am out on the street walking Caleb with the pram, trying to get him off, desperately trying to get him off because two hours in the afternoon of a nap and peace is just wonderful. So <clears throat> nap time is very important. So getting off to sleep is essential and walking the streets in that way is great. So Bin Lady is one of my, <laughs> what is her name? We need to remember names. It's really important to remember names. It will come to me later. I think it's Julie, actually. Um, so I, I'd spotted last year that Julie um, and alongside her family had come out into the street and there were probably three or four funeral cars outside her house. And I was, I was just really struck by it because obviously it was quite a, it's quite a significant thing to see that many um, funeral cars. And... Um, it was clearly someone from her family who'd passed away. And it just struck me that... And she, I spotted her from a mile off because she had bright blonde hair. And I just thought, right, I just need to keep her in mind. And um, it was probably about two months ago. I was walking along. She was putting her bin, bin out. That's why we call her bin lady. And um, I thought, this is an opportunity. God has put her in front of me at this point. I'd never seen her since that, that time. And she came out and... I just felt prompted to say, just make conversation with her. And it wasn't anything too forced. It was just a case of, you've put your bin out. Thank you so much. You remind me which week it is. Because I've lost that bit of paper that you put on your fridge. And it tells you it's recycling or black bin. So I just was able to talk to her and say, just start a conversation. And she then proceeded to tell me her whole life story about how she lost her husband very suddenly at like age 54 last year and her daughter lives with her and she's really lonely and we just had a great connection and it wasn't profound in any way it was just it was just a connection point and I've seen her since we've we've talked and um, chatted but 
we just keep making these different um, connections across the street. There's another old lady who lives um, across, and she came out again when I was walking Caleb, and I was trying, he was literally nearly asleep, and she started talking really loudly. But I was like, it's fine. I feel like this is another opportunity. So spent time with her. It's, ju- it's just, I think you need to take gra- grasp of those, those, um, those moments where God gives you people, and it doesn't have to be, here's the gospel. It's just interest in them and that draws them nearer to him as a result is that what you want yeah, really good. so we need to <laughs> we need yeah come on give you a ripple love it we'll get we'll get breath preaching soon um we you have to you have to go out and begin to make connections in order to then bring them into your home or say yes to going to their home um just flick up the next slide will you jude um thanks So it is so simple to do this. Start by saying yes. So Beth, when Caleb was asleep, really she wants him to be asleep so she can have that precious two hours of our day that we long for every day. Um, The simple, start by saying yes. So stay, stop. Stay a little longer. Say yes to their invite. So the neighbours inviting us to their kids' birthday stuff, we said yes all the time. Do you want to come and have a water fight? Yeah, sure. We haven't got loads of time, but yeah. You know, what's the yes that you start with? Then invite. We will invite those people for food at some point. The reason it's food is just simple. And it's lost. People don't get invited out or don't get connection. Invite them, share. So one of the values that we have um, is if you come for food, you bring something. Because we're bringing them into our family rhythm. And if you do that regularly enough, what you see is people begin to change the way that they think. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So whenever people come, we're like, okay, what are you bringing? And if you can't afford it, we, you know, we're connected with some people that don't have loads of money. You bring a bottle of juice for 50p, a, a bag of crisps. You know, simple things. But actually, what it communicates is that we're in this together. You know, we're not, we're not hosting in, in the sense of we're not going to put on a big show. We're, we're going to connect and clear up. I've put clear up there um, together. But we share. Everyone gets to share at the family table. Thanksgiving, simple rhythm of worship. One thing you're thankful for. It can feel alien, but once you get into the habit yourself, people love it. Honestly, people love it. Do Thanksgiving. And then this, this next one is, is one of those steps on the discipleship journey. Because um, you get to the point when they're in a regular rhythm of family with you. And this is the, this is the sacrifice of, of having regular meals. You can then say something like, if God could do one thing what, in your life, what would it be? And then they get to say, well, heal my mum of cancer or get... I'd love this job that I'm applying for. It just opens the door for gospel opportunities. But that takes time to get there. This way of mission is slow and long and hard. But do you know what? I'm convinced about it. We see the rhythm of eating in scripture. The early church, they shared meals together. It's not, we're not going to see quick wins, but are we prepared to go for the long haul? I love Miriam and Dave's story. They've been in Utebridge for eight, eight years, and only now are they transitioning into those connections around the dinner table. 
and then everyone clears up. When people come for food, the house is always better when they leave than when they arrive, which I love. But it's just the invite into family rhythms with us. We get to help people eat their way into the kingdom of God. Honestly, challenge you this week, why not have a go at inviting one person into one of your family mealtimes and having a go? Why don't you come for dinner and bring a pudding? When we, when we eat together, we always just do this Thanksgiving thing because it helps us be thankful for our day. Honestly, have a go. And then come and tell us the stories. If it worked, if it didn't, you may be totally wrong. You all have a go and then it just fails. We'll try something different if that happens. Um, but you need, to, you need to have the heart change first where you go, do you know what, I want to see my neighbours, my colleagues this city transformed. Because if you don't start with that, you're not going to want to do this and take the risk of inviting someone. Um, we're going to respond now. Um, Mike's just going to come and help us do that with the, the band. Um, and, and this is really simple, actually. Really simple. Because I think there's a prayer that God wants us to pray for hunger. For hunger for him, for hunger for revival, and for the people around us to be changed and transformed. So um, if you know that you don't have that stirring at the minute, just come and we're going to pray for that. Come to this side here. Um, Let's move now. We don't need to wait for any music or any stirring. So if that's you, if you know that you don't have that stirring, that that longing to see transformation and revival, um, let's let's come and do that. And then the other one is just here. Um, if you want to take a risk this week, I think there's something prophetic about taking a step and saying, do you know what, I'm going to invite someone in this week. I'm going to take a risk with our dinner table, with our kitchen table. Um, so uh, why don't we move now as we worship. If you, yeah, stirred for revival, for transformation, or if you're going to take a risk this week and invite someone, come and stand over here and we're going to pray together. Um, prayer ministry team, why don't you do what you do as people respond?